I'm going to tell you something that you've known for a long time now. The church has left the building. And we are, as you can see on our shirts, we are the Deployed Church. And that's the new series that we're beginning this morning together. Now, because I'm a patriotic nerd, I was reading a little bit about the Marines. And I saw a term that I'd not heard of before called advance search, advanced search. Now, this is where they send a small, tiny, little group of soldiers to a place and get that area ready for the rest of the battalion to show up. So they're the advanced party, if you will. They're going to get there first, get everything ready for everyone else to show up. Now, why is that important? When I think about the deployed church, what does that mean for us today? I think the best thing for us to do to understand what that means today is to go back and look at the advanced party, which is the church that was born in the first century. By looking at what that church was like and understanding how they did what they did and why they did it, I believe as we go through this series together, we'll have a better understanding of how we can be the church today. Now listen, I can't wait for us to all be back here on this campus together. We miss it. It feels good for even this small team to be here streaming live from this location. But we have never ceased being the church. The church has always been a people, not a place. So what does it mean to be the church in deployed fashion during this time? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. But before we do that, I'm going to kick it right back over to Missy and Travis. So where you are right now, watching or listening, I'd love to know this. Do you like a good action story? If you do, look no further than the book of Acts in the New Testament. It is full of great action, and it's where we find the birth of the church. And we're going to take a zoomed-out look at that together this morning. When you look in the first two chapters of the book of Acts, you see the first church born and described for you. Now, in chapter 1, it actually says that there were 120 believers together. They were gathered together, waiting for the arrival, the powerful arrival of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised to them. And it did come. And when it came, uh, Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached a powerful sermon. I want to read to you what happened after that sermon was preached, starting in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, we're going to probably go back to that passage a few times before this series ends. But let's just start with the exponential growth of the church. It went from 120 to after one sermon, 3,000 more souls were added. Now, just barely over a chapter later at the beginning of Acts chapter 4, we see that 5,000 men were added to that. So this exponential growth is quite amazing. Now, here's what's interesting. There was a lot of Jewish leaders who had put a lot of work to make sure Jesus was put to death. And they had this belief 
that if they were to accomplish that feat, that they would end this movement that had begun when he walked the earth. But they were completely wrong. And because of that, they begin to once again plot and scheme and try to figure out how to stop what was going on. They, they stood a lot to lose because they had created this man-made religion that, that really resulted in a lot of power and a lot of fortune for them. And so they had a lot to lose. So as you keep reading in the book of Acts, you'll see they began to plot. How can we stop this? In fact, at one point, the apostle Peter healed a beggar who was lame. He was able to walk again, and he was like over 40 years old, and he had never been able to walk, so it was an pretty incredible miracle. So what they did is they took Peter and John and brought them before the Jewish Sanhedrin. Well, what's that? Well, it's almost like a Jewish Senate hearing. Sounds kind of fun, right? And so they brought, they brought them before him and began to ask a lot of questions. And I thought it was very interesting what they said to one another and what they said to them. Acts chapter 4, verse 17 says this, But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people. You know, I can't help but think of COVID-19 when I read a sentence like this. But they weren't talking about a disease. They were talking about a completely different thing spreading. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. So this was the beginning of something that was uh, pretty nefarious, actually. As soon as they were freed and continued to speak the name of Jesus, the movement continued to grow. And the Jewish leaders said, we've got to do something to stop this. They at one point arrested all the apostles and put them in jail at the same time. And then in a crazy miracle, an angel sprung them from jail, which is pretty cool. And they continued to preach in the name of Jesus. So once that happened, things turned really dark. In fact, what ended up happening was they took a very good holy man that the Bible describes as being filled with the Holy Spirit. His name was Stephen. They ended up stoning him to death. They slayed, they killed, they murdered a man just because he preached the name of Jesus. He is the first Christian to die because of his faith. The term that we use to describe that is a martyr. He is the first Christian martyr Stephen was. And when that happened, it sparked two things happening in the world. First, it emboldened the others who wanted to stop the movement of Jesus. It caused them to get really brave about threatening imprisonment or death to those who uttered the name of Jesus. I want to read to you from Acts chapter 8, just verse 1. It says this, And Saul approved of their killing him. Now Saul was the one that was right there that had seen Stephen murdered, and he approved of it. It goes on to say in the book of Acts that Saul and others ravaged the church. They were so emboldened to put a stop to this that they, they took it to a new level. It goes on to say in that verse, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. 
So not, not only did the killing of Stephen result in greater persecution, emboldened persecution, if you will, it also resulted in the scattering of the church. I would use another word there. It resulted in the deployment of the church. Because here's what's cool. I'm going to sum up the entire book of Acts by showing you what happened next. The people that were living there in Jerusalem, all those believers, there was 120, then 3,000 more were added, then 5,000 more were added, and that's only the numbers were literally given in the book of Acts. This large group of believers, this original church in the first century, once the persecution got so bad, they went out of Jerusalem to all the regions around Jerusalem and beyond. But guess what? They took the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And because where they went, they were still the church. Let me give you the list of all the places that the gospel of Jesus Christ was taken to. Samaria, Ethiopia, Damascus, Lydda, Joppa, Caesarea, Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, Cyrene, Salamis, Paphos, Perga, Pamphylia, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe, Italia, Syria, Cilicia, Phrygia, Galatia, Troas, Philippi, Macedonia, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus, Achaia, Asia, Tyre, Ptolemais, Sidon, Malta, Puteoli, and Rome. Friends, this was an outbreak of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it started with the persecution of the church. As a result of that persecution, an outbreak of the gospel occurred, and there was a spike in life transformation there in the first century. Friends, I can't help but wonder that what persecution started in the first century, that maybe a pandemic is starting in the 21st century. We could be right in the middle of a similar gospel outbreak right now today. Church was never a place, it's always been a people. And that's what we see here in the first century. Though persecution happened, it didn't stop the movement. In fact, I would say this, persecution sparked a gospel movement in the first century. Could a pandemic spark a gospel movement in the 21st century? I hope that it does. I I don't know how to describe what we've been going through for the past few months other than to say that I believe with all my heart God has been working to redeem it for his good, to redeem it to change hearts and lives all around us. What's interesting is what I've been thinking about this in many, many ways because of the pandemic and this quarantine season we've been in, old school has become new school. Uh, We don't try to think what we can do on this campus every single week. Instead, we're just focusing on how can we be the church right where we are. But that's how it was in the beginning. That's how it was in the first century. And we're going to look at that together through this series. And you know what? Here's the thing. We are still working hard to get ready for that day when we can re-enter this campus. We look forward to that. You miss it. I miss it. We want it. We desire it. But make no mistake about it, guys. This building is not the church. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, friends, listen, you are the church right where you are. I want to read one more verse to you in Acts chapter 8 verse 4. It says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. That's it. That's what sparked a gospel movement in the first century. 
Just you being who you are in Christ means you will be the church where you are, right on your street, right where you socially distance shop or eat, (laughs) wherever you do work, wherever you are. And listen, we've said this over and over again for years, but now we have to put the money where our mouth is, don't we? We're being challenged to actually put it in action, not say, that's really cool. I believe that. I'll be back at church next Sunday. No, we are the church right now. We are the church today, right where you are. And now God is saying, let me equip you to do that. Let me challenge you to do that. Let me show you how I birthed the church in the first century, what it looked like, what it was doing. And maybe, just maybe, try to be like that. No longer worry about 11969 Taylor Mill Road being the site of all things. Listen, I can't wait to get back here. But where you are is ground zero for God to spark a gospel movement right where you are. Let me give you a next step to consider today. And it's going to sound kind of different. Be a Jesus freak in a freaked out world. And if you've been watching the news at all in the past 48, 72 hours, it's a freaked out world right now, man. I, I look at the news, I look at what's happening, and there, the world is ripe for the gospel. The world is ripe to hear the truth about Jesus Christ. The world is seeking and looking for people who actually live out the principles that Jesus taught us to live, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love others like we love ourselves. There is the need to see light in the darkness, to see hope in the midst of despair, And friends, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have that within you. You have it right there where you are. Now, being a Jesus freak, what's that all about? Well, I have to admit, I'm a big fan of that old Christian group, DC Talk. My favorite song they created was Jesus Freak, and I love that song. And they ended up uh, publishing an anthology, a book that was an anthology of stories about martyrs called Jesus Freaks. I remember getting that book and reading the stories, real-life stories of people who laid down their life because they loved Jesus so much. And I'm reminded, man, do I really love Jesus like that? If, if I love Jesus, really, really love him, people are not going to miss it. It's going to come out in my actions, in my words, in my perspective, in the way I live, in the way I talk to other people. And friends, the world needs that right now. They need someone who's willing to just be who they are in Christ, boldly where they are, so that they have a chance, they have a chance to be able to know who Jesus is. Earlier we talked about advance party. Friends, we are the search party. We are the ones that are out there seeking those who don't know him yet, giving them an opportunity to be found in Jesus Christ. Let me say it like this. You are part of a search party eradicating lostness in northern Kentucky. Sound familiar? Well, that's our mission statement. And it's not changed since the beginning of this quarantine. We are still doing whatever it takes to eradicate lostness in northern Kentucky. And you may make the argument that because we've been scattered to our homes and not able to enter 11969 Taylor Mill Road yet, that we are much like the first century and better equipped and able, if not even forced, to actually spark a gospel movement, just like it was sparked in the first century. You are a part of a search party, but are you? Really are you? How do you become a part of this? How do you become a Jesus freak? How do you become someone who's a part of a movement where the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms lives right here in North Kentucky? Well, it starts with you first putting your faith in Jesus Christ. 
You may be watching and listening to this right now, and you've not taken that crucial first step where you say, you know what? I believe that Jesus actually is who he says he is, that he is the son of God, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that I can only come to God through him, that I can only be saved through him. You may have heard about him. You may know a lot about him, but do you believe in him? If not, today I invite you to call upon his name and just pray and say, Jesus, I want to start believing in you, really believing in you today. And when you do that, when you invite him into your life like that, it changes everything. And he'll begin to equip you to become everything he wanted you to be. And as he does that, the people around you will notice. They may even one day say, that person is a Jesus freak. And in this freaked out world, that's what we need to see more than ever. If you need to take that step of faith with Jesus right now, while I pray, I invite you to pray also and call upon his name and ask him to save you today. Will you pray with me? Father, I come before you right now. And in, the, in this still moment, after all that we've done together virtually this morning, this moment is crucial. Right now, there might be someone watching and listening thinking, well, I've been to church and I've watched online. Maybe I've been more engaged with church online now than ever before because of this quarantine. But have they put their faith in you? Oh, Lord, it changes everything to finally say, I believe Jesus died for me personally. So I pray right now that as I'm praying, someone would just say, God, okay, I'm doing it. I'm putting my faith in you. I believe in you, Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins and enter into my heart and life today. I want to be a part of your church. I want to be a part of the gospel movement that you want to do here in the 21st century. Lord, for those who are praying that prayer right now, help them to know that by their step of faith, they are now your child forever and ever. Lord, help them to know that you're going to help them to become everything you created them to become, and you're going to work in them and through them to make a difference in this world. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I hope that you took a step of faith today. If you did, we would love to know about that. We would love to hear from you. All you have to do is do something very simple today. Just text the word STEP, S-T-E-P, to our landline number, which is 859-356-3162. When you text that word to that number, we will know that you took a step of faith, and you'll hear back from us, and we'd love to just interact with you to encourage you and to resource you and to pray for you and really just to celebrate this new chapter in your life because it's a big deal that you took a step of faith with Jesus today. So get that phone out, tablet out, text that word step to that number right here, right now. And listen, I want to thank you so much for worshiping with us today. We miss you in being in person, but listen, we are still the Deployed Church. I can't wait to dive more into that with you next week. But until then, we love you, we miss you. I'm going to kick it back over to Missy and Travis now.